All right, just say this after me. I am blessed because he said so. And I believe what he says. See, childlike faith simply says, they said so, so it must be so. Right? So let's keep that simple childlike faith tonight as the word is ministered to us. He said so, and I believe it. Apostle Dale, would you come? And I'll pray with you and agree with you. Thank you, brother. Father, I thank you so much that you are faithful to us in every way and for everything. And thank you that you brought Apostle Dale home to us again and that you have given him a word and that you've given us ears to hear it, eyes to see it. We ask you for revelation tonight. And we just give you full reign by your spirit to reveal, to instruct, and to teach in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. Praise God. Look at everybody. Hallelujah. This is nice. I don't know. I'm just happy tonight. I was in the car. I was happy. There's always joy of the Lord, but there's something about it when there's a happiness. Happiness is good. Amen. Do you know the joy of the Lord's your strength? You know, joys, the, the deepest joys, the only thing that can carry the burdens that the, the world and the devil tries to throw on us. But we're going to continue to walk in that joy and that happiness. Amen. I, I just want to be so happy it makes certain people mad. Just make that up to be your mind. You know, other people are going to be just, you know, worry worts and, you know, bumps on a log. Not you. You know what? You're going to be bummed out. That's your problem. You watch too much news. I'm going to be full of joy. I'm going to watch the news and giggle. I read the end of the book. Amen. Jesus said, you know, you're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. And I won't make light of anyone's suffering. I've seen things in the last six months I wish I had not seen. But that doesn't change who Jesus is. It doesn't change the realities that we, we live in. Did you know there's a life beyond the grave? Amen. There's a life beyond the grave. There's an undiscovered country. Heaven's a real place. Hell's a place to shun. Amen. And in the meantime, earth's a place to have fun. You're looking at me funny. The, the book of Timothy said God gives us all things richly to enjoy. See, the problem is you don't enjoy them. You don't enjoy that cup of coffee. Because you're too busy thinking about where you ought to be, what you ought to be doing, or what's happening tomorrow, or how you're going to pay for it. Amen. We, we all, of, all of us sometimes need a little reminder that even in the midst of war and the things pounding, and I don't know if you've ever been in a city that gets hit by rockets. It, it changes your perspective. It makes that cup of coffee taste different. But you still have to live. You still have to live. And when you've got Jesus on the inside of you, you can. And some people just don't know what to do with you. Amen. And that's fun. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to have fun tonight. You know, years and years ago, I, I, I realized that people, especially in the church, you have to repeat things before they get it. I remember, brother, I, I saw it first in Kenneth Copeland's ministry, listening to his tapes, and he'd, he'd receive the offering, and he, he would always say, now the ushers will wait upon the people, and the people will be obedient unto the Lord. And I thought, where'd he get that? 
And I looked at my little Methodist religious services manual, and it wasn't in there. And I thought, maybe it's in somebody else's religious service manual, but it wasn't in there either. He, he, he found out later, he just said it because the Lord told him to say it. Because it's a fact, the people will be obedient unto the Lord. But he kept repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. And you know what? People are obedient to the Lord. That's a good thing, isn't it? Well, based on that, I would preached a series of, of sermons on the love of God. And I'd been focusing on the fact of 1 John chapter 4 says, if you can't love your brother whom you can see, how can you love God whom you cannot see? Right? And one way we love God is by loving one another came out of those sermons. Have you ever heard that phrase? One way we love God is by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, one way we love God is by loving one another. You, you just thought that was some little weird thing in the beginning of the service. It's the scripture. And I kept repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And, and you know, eventually people get it. You know what? Uh, we have the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. That, that, you, you, you know, that's one of the first signs that you've been born again. So much so that Jesus even said, you know what? They're going to figure out you're a Christian because you walk in love. Not because, come on, not because you raised the dead. Not because you built a hospital. Not, not, be, not because you did this, did that, did whatever. But because you walked in love. Now when you walk in love, you'll build hospitals all over the place. And when you walk in love, you'll, you'll pull people out of wheelchairs. But that better be our motivation. You see, if there's one thing I could impart and continue to repeat and repeat and repeat. If, 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 if with young people asking me, you know, what, 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 what should I work on to be successful in life? Or businessmen saying, what's the key to success? Or, or, or marriages that are on the rocks. How can we fix this? It's all answered by this one principle. Is that the greatest of these commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your, your heart. With all of your soul. With all of your mind. It's in Mark 12. And with all all of your strength and your neighbor is yourself. And Romans tells us in Romans 13 that we're not to owe anybody anything except one thing and you owe me. And I owe you. And that is to love one another. Did you know we're indebted to love? Amen. He went on to say, because all of the commandments, and then he lists several of them, you know, not to murder, not to commit adultery, you know, not to steal, not to covet. All of these are fulfilled in that one great royal law of love. That we would love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, and our neighbors as ourselves. All the laws fulfilled in that. Paul emphasized it again in Galatians chapter 4. And he said, look guys, let's not devour one another because when you devour one another, you take a bite out of yourself. You know? And right around that time, there was this, uh, uh, I don't know if it's Greek or what fable it came from, but there was this uh, very popular fable about this great dragon. They called him a worm. Worm Arubarus. And, and, and nobody could kill him. 
But, but all these wonderful knights in shining armor went out to kill this terrible dragon and the dragon just to eat them up, you know. And no one could kill him. So, so along came this young squire who had some wisdom, you know, probably like Eric. And he snuck into that dragon's cave and he grabbed that dragon's tail that was as sharp as a spear and he stuck it in the dragon's mouth. And the, and the dragon bit down on that tail and thought it was uh, 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 that he'd been attacked. And so he bit harder and it hurt more. And so he bit harder and it hurt more. And he just kept biting and biting until he ate himself up and disappeared. <laughs> and that's what the devil wants to, for us to do in the body of Christ. But we're going to walk in love. Now, Jesus said, Matthew 24... It was 24, wasn't it? Jesus said, look, you're going to hear about these wars. You're going to hear about these rumors of war. You, your business is to see to it that your heart is not troubled. And I'll tell you just, just by my experience with what I guess some people would call first responders or, or, or whenever the, the, the emergency strikes, you know, there's always these people that still have their cool. Even when everything else around is, is, is hell and chaos, there's someone that still has their cool. I think that's what Jesus was, was talking about. You, you know, when you, when you get overburdened with the, the things of life and the news, and, and friends, we're, we're on the cusp of a new era. And things are bad. We don't have to deny the situations but one thing we do is I will forever deny the situation and any egress into my, my, my peace. I will deny the situation any right to steal my joy. And, and, and we, we, need, we may be really looked upon as a little bit odd, but I'll tell you what, we'll get the world's, we'll, we'll get the world's attention. I had a NATO dip diplomat for probably an hour yesterday texting me back and forth. I've known him for probably eight years. He's a good friend. But he's privy to things I'm not. He, he reads, he has clearances. He's reading things I can't get a hold of and he can't tell me. And, and uh, he was having a hard time. And we were talking about a lot of things. And, and, and you know what I was doing? Just loving on him. He was certain, saying certain things and I'd say, yeah, but I believe in you. He'd say something else and I'd say, yeah, but you were born for such a time as this. I even said, I even got real bold with him. I said, as the Bible says, you were born for such a time as this. And, and you know, then, then after a little bit of that, just believing in people, loving on people, you know, he opens up a little bit more, but he's, he's sharing things I really don't want to hear either. <laughs> I mean, I got, I was, I was driving, I forget where, oh, I went out to the bank, I guess, and I didn't want to go home because it was too dark. I don't mean outside. It was just too dark. I was, I was almost depressed. It was just, I don't want these thoughts. You ever been there? Probably you've never been there. Probably your life's always happy. You're probably always just walking around saying Tweedledee and Tweedledum because you're just so full of joy, right? I was heavy. I, I decided I'm going to have to stop at the bookstore. I'll start, stop here at Barnes and Noble, walk around a little bit before I go home and bring this back to my wife and and I walked into Barnes and Noble and they got all these headings on their light, on their shelves, you know, there's, you know, self-help and children and fiction and nonfiction. I saw that one that said horror. I thought, I'll go, I'll go browse there and get cheered up. 
that's how low I was. I fear horror, horror, that's got to be, that's got to be a step up, you know. But nah, that's all a joke. I'm working on new material. I don't know if that one will ever get repeated or not. But I walked around Barnes and Noble looking at people and I, I almost wanted to get mad because people were just acting normal like nothing's happening. I wanted to walk up to them and shake them and say, don't you understand? Don't you realize? <laughs> and then I, then I get to thinking about how stupid that is. And, I, and you know what Jesus said is so pertinent, isn't it? So pertinent. I wanted, I, I, I was all prepared to do like a ministry report, let everybody know what's going on in Ukraine, what we've been doing. Um, and, uh, but the Lord gave me a message that really doesn't have anything to do with that. And I'm like, Lord, you sure? And he's like, don't forget who you work for. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, yeah, but they might expect this. Yeah, and you, yeah guess what I expect, <laughs> right? And uh, he began to minister to me about the importance especially in, in our day and in this age, with these principles I'm introducing. We need to be prepared to understand the value, the importance, the victory there is in walking in love. You know, I was talking to somebody a week or so ago, and they were talking about, you know, things are bad in this place and in this area, and Satan's trying to destroy marriages, and there's this real spirit of divorce coming on people and, and I, and I agreed and I was thinking about this and listening to that. And you know, I, 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 I had to pull back and say, no, it's just ordinary people. They're just ordinary people. We just got to remember, hey, wait a minute. What about the love walk? What about walking in love? Look with me in 1 Corinthians 13. Now I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. I like the Amplified Bible. I like the older Amplified Bible. They have a newer one out. I don't know. I just prefer the old one. And uh, maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. But the Amplified just makes things louder. Look here in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love endures long and is, say long, Endures long. Sometimes a miracle takes a while. Long. I remember Terry and I, we had a situation with another pastor that didn't like us. Took seven years. Man, I don't know. The devil got a hold of him. Somebody told him something, whatever it was. I, he, he, uh, he just didn't like us. Said horrible things about us. I tried to bring peace to the situation. We had our church take a whole big offering up for something they were doing in their church, sent it to him. He actually brought the check up into the pulpit and said, can you believe these folks sent us this money and ripped the check up in front of their people? So I just tell you that so you understand it was serious. He didn't like us. Well, that made me mad. I went to God crying, you know, Lord, isn't it time to kill him? <laughs> I remember when I was young, there was a young, there was a pastor, you killed him, and this one, this one deserves it. You know, I don't know about that last one, but man, come on. Aren't you glad I'm not, when you get to heaven, I'm not the one on the throne? Yeah, y'all yeah, look at me, but you've had those thoughts too. 
And I struggled for a long time. Terry and I learned that in love you endure long. Everybody say endure long. Amen. I remember we had a board meeting. Oh, let me finish that story. Seven years later. Seven years later. Well, after he ripped up the check, that made me mad. And I asked the Lord what to do because God obviously wasn't going to kill him. And the Lord, Lord said, give it to him again. But he doesn't need to know. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Well, there was a, a woman in the church. It was actually my adopted grandma. So I went to her house. I said, Hazel, uh, we're going to send you a check once a month. Could you cash it and put cash in the offering? We did that for like seven years. Now, why would you do that, Pastor Dale? Because you know what? He ain't going to walk in love. I am. I don't care. The whole world ain't going to walk in love. I'm going to walk in love. And one thing about it, you say you're going to walk in love. When you write that check every month, it hurts. But it reminds you you're walking in love. I remember in a Bible study, we had, we had this woman that was in the Bible study, Ann. I won't say her last name because she might be listening. But she was new in the Bible study. We were all sitting in a circle, about 20, 30 of us. And, and I said, now, how many of you have enemies? You got people after you. You got, you know, talking about she's And she was like, yeah. I said, so all of you that you got those enemies, pull out your checkbooks. I'm going to show you how to fix this. Well, they all think that I'm taking some kind of special offering. I said, write the biggest number you can in there. And, 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 and they're all writing, you know. And I said, now write that person's name on the top of that check. She went, wow, and fell off on the floor. <laughs> I tell you, when you give, it'll pull that anger out of your heart. Jesus, doesn't the book of Proverbs say to do that? Bless your enemies. Yeah, bless your enemies. Didn't Jesus say walk with them an extra mile? Didn't Jesus say that? Come on, church. And seven years later, we got a knock on the door, and that pastor's wife came, and he had already flown out to another state, and she was apologizing for that. He wanted to be there, but she came in and literally set us down on our couch and got down on her hands and knees and repented to us. Somehow seven years wasn't that long. Really wasn't. See, love endures long. I remember I had this board meeting church we started in Corey. And one of the board members had a problem with one of the members of the church and had problems with them for like 20 years. And this thing raised itself up like some cancer. And, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews, he says, you got to be, be careful. He says, make sure no root of bitterness springs up or troubles you because then many will be defiled. And here it was exploding right in the board meeting. And, you know, and I said, listen, I spoke to the woman on the board. And I said, I, I want you to go and repent. You, you need to go repent. I'm telling you right now, get there and repent. And she's like, I'm not repenting to that turkey buzzard. <laughs> now, when you call, that might not mean anything to you Lancasterians. But back in the backwoods, when you call somebody a turkey buzzard, that's pretty low. <laughs> that's turkey buzzard talk, man. I'm telling you, that's serious. 
And I rebuked her a little bit, you know, and she said, well, just how many times do you expect me to be the one? How come I always have to be the one? None of you ever felt this way, right? She said, how far should I take this? I said, all the way to Calvary. That's how far Jesus took it till it kills you. All the way to, to Calvary, right? Man, we haven't even got off of indoors long. I don't know how we're going to make it through tonight. <laughs> we're going indoor long. <laughs> no, I promise in Jesus' name I won't go long. I'll, I'll get you home before. Uh, uh, let, let's look at this next verse. <laughs> Love endures long and is, in, and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. See, here's the defining feature of a father's heart. Speaking, you know, to the men and I suppose to the ladies, a, a mother's heart. How many of you got kids in here? How many of you know that when you hold up that first child, it, it, it changes things? Somehow you want that child to be better than you were, to do more than you did. You go watch him play Little League Baseball, you want him to hit home runs. You know, you, you, you want him to score touchdowns. You want him to shoot the ba- and hit the basket. You, you're not a father if you don't want that little rascal to go further than you did. Right? What, what is that? It's, it's love. See, love isn't jealous. Why? Because I, I, want, I want you to do better. I want you to do better. And when you have that heart of love towards a person, in an amazing way, they do better. Because there's somebody that believes in them. Amen? So it doesn't boil over with jealousy. And when you find out that you are in that position, boil over, boiling over with jealousy. See, jealousy is not the problem. Love's the problem. Love's the problem. You come back home to, to, to the real issue. And find a way to love that person. You know, you, you got somebody that's always bragging about how they do something better than you. You're in some conversation and you're halfway through your story and they want to top it. None of, you, none of you ever been there, right? Right? So, so, so it's okay. Be, pull back. Be quiet a little bit. Amen? And then when they're done boasting, go ahead and pump, pump them up. Boy, that's hard to do, though. You say, well, I, they, they, you, I shouldn't pump them up. I should, they need to be brought back down to reality. No, you, you, what it is is they need somebody to believe in them. That's why they're screaming out so loud. Love on them. You'll find that the, you'll, you'll, you'll pop the, the balloon just as quick with love and that air will just hiss out of their big swollen head just as fast. Amen. 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 See, see, love's the solution to these things. He said it's not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, that is love, arrogant or inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly. Love, and this I like in the Amplified, love God's love in us. 
See, people always come and say, well, I, I don't love my husband anymore. Well, love him with the love of God that's in you. No, no, you don't understand. I don't love my husband anymore. You're not born again. You're going to hell. Because 1 John 4 says you are. The Bible says if you can't love your brother, you're not born again. What you're trying to say is you don't phileo your husband anymore. That's a different subject. But this is the, the love of God is agape. We had a, we had a, got real quiet in here, so I always like to beat a dead horse when he's down. Um, <clears throat> we had our first marriage seminar in Church of the Word International back in, must have been 88, 89. And uh, we rented out an entire little hotel on a river, Clarion River Lodge. And I think we had about 30 couples. So we, we just had the whole place to ourselves, And I brought in uh, Jim and Jean Thompson, pastors from Washington, D.C., black pastors that just full of the power of God. And we were so blessed because their church, well, let me put it this way. Their choir was twice as big as our church. <laughs> their choir. <laughs> and uh, so they come to, to teach us and minister to us for this marriage seminar. I'll never forget. I was so excited. You know, I was a young squirt. I got this famous guy coming in and, and uh, he gets up in the pulpit and it's like I said, about 30 couples. And he opens up his Bible and says, now the Lord told me this would be our text. And he reads it from the Bible. Love your enemies. Oh man, the air went out of the room. You know, if you got to love your enemy, you, you, you might have something in there that you just might have to love your wife. You just might have to love your husband. Hello, have I gone to meddling? Amen. See, it's not a spirit of a divorce. It's somewhere we, we, we got sloppy. We got lazy. We got self-centered. And we realized we we're looking for our marriage as we were looking to the marriage to give us an experience of love that all the time comes from walking with Jesus. See, it's really hard to have love in a marriage when you're miserable. You need to fix you. Amen. And, and it's equally the so for husbands or for wives. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you listen to my message, doesn't matter if your husband is, is horrible, you walk in the love of God and things will change. And, as, and women, if your husband's, you know, out to lunch, you walk in the love of God, he's going to change. But you can put your foot down and say, you know what? I don't care how much that person is a sourpuss. I'm going to walk in the love of God. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to be happy. Amen. I love the story of uh, Smith Wigglesworth and how he got saved. He, he, his wife got saved first. I think her name was Polly. Is that right? And, and she got full of God. And he, he didn't like her going to church. So he told her, he says, you go to one more meeting, I'm going to lock the door. You, you, you won't be having a place to sleep. Well, she went to church. She came back and the door was locked. So she went to sleep on the porch. He got up in the morning to get the paper and open the door. And there she was. And she jumped up, kissed him on the cheek, said, good morning, Smith. What would you like for breakfast? And ran into the kitchen singing. Made him breakfast. <laughs> she just loved him into the kingdom of God. Did that two or three times. 
until the love of God broke him and, and, and he got saved. Hallelujah. Just the love walk. He got saved. Just chose to go the love way. He got saved. You, you never know what's going to happen when you decide to walk in love. I know one time this, it's, it, it may seem small, but it always made me chuckle when I saw the hand of the Lord in it. I, when Terry and I left the pastorate to uh, prepare to go to Moscow, Russia, you know, we had to travel around. We traveled around Canada and all over the U.S. to raise partners, share world vision and have, have people support us so we could go over there with stability. And uh, I was preaching in this little church that, that I had known this guy, and he invited me to come. And I knew his church wasn't very big, but I didn't have anywhere to go anyway. <laughs> you know, so I went and uh, had three in the service that morning. And, uh, but that, that, you know, well, counting Terry and the family, well, that would be five, six, seven, eight, and the pastor, nine. So we had nine in the service, but we had three people other than the pastor. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not really sure how big that offering was. I'm not really sure how far that got me along the road to getting me to Moscow, right? And after the service was over, he, he, he grabs me and he says, he says, now, Brother Dale, he says, I, I really ask you, please call this pastor. And uh, he's in New Jersey, but I know him and his wife, they're going through a really tough time. And I know the church is struggling. And would you please call them? They, I'm, I know they'll have you in. Mention my name, they'll have you in. And uh, I'm sure they'll get behind you, but they're going through a rough spot. They need you. So I'm, you know, going back to my office or whatever, praying, and I got this number and this guy, and I'm like, yeah, when a pastor of a church of three wants me, wants me to help his friend... <laughs> and he's really confident that that guy will have me come in, and maybe it's a church of four. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about here? So then you kind of, you, you, you got to balance, well, you don't have to balance, you have to evaluate your life and why are you doing what you're doing. Am I going around grubbing for money, or am I still preaching the gospel? And that's when God actually, I actually had one of the greatest revelations I ever had. And the Lord said, he instructed me from then on, when you're in these churches, you give an altar call for missionaries. He said, there's young people in those churches and those pastors don't have world vision in their heart. And they've got the seed of missions in them and they feel frustrated because they never even heard one message on world vision. But you come in and give an altar call on those that would dedicate their life to the mission field. And that's what Terry and I did. And we amazing the the, the people we saw come forward and give their lives to missions. But, you know, it, it's not easy when you got bills to pay. But he said, please, pastor, he needs help. Could you call them? So I called the church and the pastor's mother answered. And she's kind of wild. And the conversation didn't take away my idea that it might be a church of four. But so glad you called. The pastor that I referred to earlier, he told us you would call. Yes, we want you to come in. Well, where are you at? Well, we're in New Jersey. Got the address. We came in and walked into this building full of about 500 believers on fire with God. And his wife was, had been diagnosed with uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. 
and was, had, a, had a sentence of death passed down to her by the doctors. pastor, of course, was torn apart. Congregation was grieved. And Terry and I were at the right place at the right time because we walked in love and didn't listen to that fleshly side. We all have it. If you don't shower for a couple of days, you, you, you'll realize how bad yours is. We all have it. But you say, well, that just sounds like you made a choice. Love is a choice. Because the love of God's been shed abroad in my heart. And you follow your spirit. And you know that's what you ought to do because that's what love would do. Guess what? Love never fails. Love always brings you the victory way. Love always establishes you and doesn't tear you down. Doesn't Look here now. Love, verse 5, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. You see, love doesn't say, yeah, but what about me? And that scares you because you think, yeah, but what about me? As if God's going to forget you. Thank God Jesus didn't say, yeah, but what about me? I think I'm going to hang out in the garden a little bit longer. (laughs) Amen. No, but look what happened when he went to that cross with joy for what was set before him, right? No, love isn't self-seeking. Love endeavors to bless those that we find around us. It's it's interesting. In uh, I have a, a, an assistant I hired in uh, Ukraine, and he's an Orthodox believer. But he, you know, he's never met anybody like me that I know of, and and he just can't figure out how come I'm helping all these other people. I mean, other organizations. Because all the other people he'd met, they're trying to make their organization the biggest, make their organization the best. I meet some organization that needs help. I'm helping them. Why? Because I'm not self-seeking. I don't need that. But then as a result, all these miracles have happened. And I mean a lot of them, beyond count. They just, they just ripple. And, 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 and this one organization, I've been helping them. And I told them, I said, yeah, go ahead, wave your flag. You know, me and me and our, our, our crowd, we actually did what you're bragging about. But go ahead. Praise the Lord. You know, it's going to help you. You're going to be able to raise some more money. You're going to be able to reach people I couldn't reach. And, and my assistant's just looking at me like, don't you, basically, don't you want the glory? Don't you want the, you know, what do I need it for? Because I get the miracles. And I, I, we made a relationship with one of the young guys in there, in that organization, so, so blessed. He's a, he's a uh, retired military, but he worked in the Air Force as a, a logistics, doing all, all the supplies that are necessary to supply a war. Well, now he's using his talent to do all the logistics to supply humanitarian aid. And, and guess what? His father's a pastor. And his grandfather's a pastor. And here, here he's the only one over there actually in that kind of a crowd that still calls me pastor. You know, I get a lot of Mr. Armstrong, but he's pastor, you know, and, and he has done some things to help us that go beyond belief because what you sow, you're going to reap. You think that doesn't work in the love realm? What you sow, you're going to reap. Amen. And so when you walk in this love, 
you're walking not, not in a, you got to get out of this realm of thinking of like this cookie jar mentality of this is what I shouldn't do and this is what you should do. And you get into this guilt complex. No, love is a way of life. In fact, love is the way life works. This is how it operates. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. And, and somebody will say, well, what happens when I am? I'm glad you asked that because that, that used to be me right there. Actually, all these negatives used to be me. Because they used to be you, too. He's just describing the flesh. But Brother Hagen, I heard him teach this a couple times. And so I, I just decided to do what he said. And I, and I did my homework. Maybe you'll do your homework if you listen to me. Because it will change your life. I took out and wrote out this portion of scripture from the Amplified. And everywhere it said love, I put my name in there. Because it's the love of God shed abroad in my heart. So instead of saying love endures long. And it hurt just to write this on paper because I felt like I was lying. I wrote Dale endures long. And I wrote it out. Dale endures long. Dale is patient. And then I'd laugh. Dale is kind. And then the hyena Kevin Burroughs laugh would come out. Because <laughs> it didn't, didn't seem like that was right. Is at that point it wasn't right. But how do you build faith, friends? See, f- faith works by love. Faith works by love. You need to re- recognize this is who you are. This is the born again person, the new creation in Christ. God redeemed you and now you're kind. I started confessing that. I paced it. I slept on a bunk bed on the bottom. So I pasted it above me, my head. And I quoted it every night before I went to bed. And I quoted it every morning when I woke up. And, it, and, and, and in a couple of weeks, I, I was so changed. I had a guy in football in high school. He took me aside and he said, what's wrong with you, Armstrong? You don't get mad anymore. We're losing because you don't get mad anymore. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I'm different. So so wasn't really helpful because then I didn't want to lose. So I kind of threw it away for a while. But I, I came back to it after football. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. You know, I wasn't as sanctified as I am now. So love. Uh, let's keep reading. Doesn't take account of the evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Wow. That's not always easy. I've had my challenges. You say, well, how, how do you overcome that? And I've had so many that I've met with, and they've told me their stories of betrayal and loss and deliberate deliberate destruction and enemies and I'm not making light of any of those things it hurts but I tell you love never fails love never fails and the first thing that began to help me was when I learned that when I have sinned against my father and I ask him to forgive me and he forgives me he also does something else 
I saw it on a billboard once and I thought it was so cool because they're trying to be modern. It said, come to Jesus and he'll delete your sins. And I thought, yeah, that's it. You know, forgiveness is more than just, you know, okay, you can pass go one more time and collect $200. But I'm watching you. I'm watching you. You know, you hear that in marriages a lot. You know, buddy, three strikes, you're out. You've gone this far. People keeping report cards. Don't keep report cards. Please don't keep report cards. If you got report cards on your kids, on your wife, on your employer, or, or what, please go home tonight and burn your report cards. Because God used to have a report card on you. And when you asked him to forgive you, he not only forgave you, he forgot it. See, Isaiah 44 says, or is it 43? 43, I think. It says, let's plead together. In fact, let's go there because I'm not quoting it fully. Isaiah 43, 48 or 48, 43. You know, when I get tongue tied like that, just look in Isaiah. It's there. 43, 25. I even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. And I will not look at it. I will not remember your sins. You know what that means? That means you've been smoking cigarettes for 30 years and you decide to ask God to forgive you. You throw that cigarette away and you pray and say, Lord, God, forgive me for that. I won't be free of nicotine. God looks at you. You never smoked a cigarette in your life. You get up in the morning and you go back to that habit. God doesn't see you going back to that habit. God sees you smoking your first cigarette. Look at that idiot smoking a cigarette. It's his first one. We're going to have to help him. But God forgot. Amen. I remember Brother Copeland talking about this. He, he had just started preaching and somewhere, I don't know what he did, but he got into sin on the day before he was supposed to preach. And he's, he's right there behind the stage getting to go out there and preach to people. And he told God, I ain't going out there. I can't go out there and preach. I'm just worthless. Worthless. Sick, sober, and sorry. Broke, disgusted, and sad. I gave my life to Jesus, and he took everything I had. It goes along with Sid's song. And, and he's, he's over there saying, I can't go out there and preach. I'm worthless. And the Lord said, what? What'd you do? Did you do something? And Copeland said, come on. And the Lord said, did you repent of it? Yeah. Then I don't know anything about it. Well, now if God treats you that way, can we treat others that way? Well, let me tell you, it goes a little bit further. If you don't, well, God won't forgive you either. We don't have time, but Jesus took, took a lot of focus on this in his ministry to show that, that when God has forgiven us, he gave, he gave a parable of a very rich man, but he owed a lot of money. But he went to the guy because the guy wanted to throw him in prison because he owed him. And he begged him, please forgive me of all this debt. 
And the man forgave him of all that debt. So what that rich man do? He went around to all the little guys that owed him money and shook them by the neck, said, pay me what you owe, threw them all in prison. And Jesus said, hold on a minute. Shouldn't that fellow that was forgiven all of his debt forgive all those that owed him? And then he went on to say some heavy things about you and I. Anybody in here been forgiven by the Lord? Anybody in here holding something against the brother? Not anymore. <laughs> Good. Good, because it'll ruin you. It, it'll hold you back. It'll defeat you. But, oh, there's so much joy in it. Terry and I, we've laughed. You know, we're, I'm talking back when I was in my 20s. Now it'd be different. Uh, but back in my 20s, I'd meet somebody that had done me wrong or we'd had some conflict. And then there was redemption. We repented. I repented. They repented. Whatever it might have been, you go on. And then, then we'd meet them if they're still uptight. And we'd be in the car thinking, what are they so uptight about? I don't even remember. Well, didn't we have an... Yeah, but I, what was it? I couldn't even remember what it was. Because we'd forgiven them and they'd forgiven us and God forgave... And honest to God, I'm not making this up. I'm like, there's nothing there. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, if that happens today, you just think maybe it's because you're 58. But... <laughs> now, that's redemption. And, uh, you, you know, I've, one, of my, one of my dearest friends is Bruce Latibue. And we, we, we split ways like Paul and Barnabas. And, I mean, it was nasty. And, uh, you know, the only thing I remember about it was the funny things. He'd given me a handgun. And I took him for a walk and gave it back. And he said, no, you don't have to give that back to me. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm giving it back so I won't use it. Because <laughs> the thought had gone through my head. But, you know, I sit here on, and I'm not making it up. I can't. You, you put that gun to my head and I couldn't tell you what my argument with him was. And I'm quite sure he couldn't figure it out either. And, and isn't that immature? That something, there was something that would separate people? But it's nothing under the blood of Jesus, is it? And I'll tell you what, what saved Bruce and I is that we had, a, we had another friend, the name of Stephen Horning, who lived in uh, Europe. And he got so mad about two normal people acting like idiots that he got on a plane and flew over and, and grabbed and kidnapped Bruce and put him in the car and drove up to my house and marched him in by the ear and grabbed me by the ear and stood us in front of each other and said, now repent. You tell him I'm sorry. And he just stood there like granddad, making the two little grandkids make peace before they kill each other with a Lego brick, you know. <laughs> and so we did. And now I can't remember what it was about. I suppose if I sat down and scratched, but like uh, uh, a, a, a wise woman of God said one time, throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness and don't go fishing for them. Amen. See, love will bring you into a place of victory where you need to be. Now, let me finish out this and then get into the get through the introduction, get into the message. <laughs> Verse six, love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. It rejoices when right and truth prevail. Now, there's some issues here for our day. And when you are watching the news, you have to filter what you hear 
through a filter of love, but not being gullible to the world. This is not, Paul isn't preaching be effeminate. Paul isn't preaching some ooey gooey kind of love. How many of you know love speaks the truth? Sometimes love will scare you. You know, when uh, you see somebody that, that uh, has the tag outside their collar and you're too embarrassed to tell them, it, it, it's, it's because you're more concerned about yourself than you are them and they're getting ready to go in the pulpit. If you love them, fix their collar. If you love them, tell them they got bad breath. Honest to God, I was sitting having pizza in, in, in Ukraine with a fellow. He's not a believer. And we're sitting there and he's looking at me and he cocks his head and he says, you know, if it was me, I'd want someone to tell me. I said, what's that? He said, you got a hair growing out your nose. <laughs> I, I said, where? <laughs> I plucked that thing right now, Johnny, on the spot. And I, I looked at him and I said, you're my friend. Well, he ain't got no filter, but that's all right. <laughs> no, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna realize love is going to deal with the tough issues of life and not be deceived. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. You can find something good in everybody. Don't get trapped by the devil that, well, you, get, you got this list. He did this. He did that. He did this. He did that. He did this. He did that. I remember years ago when Terry and I were uh, having difficulties in life, we, we sat down with a pastor and he said, uh, go home. Here's your homework. Write out 50 things you like about your mate. See, what's he trying to do? Just get your eyes off the negative. Right? Right? Come on, y'all going home? Or are you still with me? Can you take a little bit more? Can you endure long? Yeah, see, believe there's, there's something good in everybody. And you need to find it. Somebody said about Billy Graham, you're so positive, you, you probably find something good about the devil. Billy thought for a minute and he said, well, he is persistent. So I, I guess I guess he's got that running for him. So love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Now, now, come on. Eric is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Come on. Look to your husband or your wife and say, I am ready to believe the best in you. It's real quiet in here. I heard like three. <laughs> Texter. <laughs> Love's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. Pastor Dale, are they going to drop a nuclear bomb? Love's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. Doesn't matter on one hand. You know, it's sometimes I might go meet Jesus when I'm 95 or 105 or whenever it's going to be. I might, I, I, I might, you know, get get to meet Jesus because I was preaching in the center square of Tehran or, you know, whatever. whatever. I, at some point, we're going to be with the Lord, aren't we? 
you know what? I'm, I'm not going to lose my hope. I'm not going to allow the circumstances to edge in on my joy with the Lord. I was uh, sitting in uh, Lviv, my apartment. I, I got this little lousy apartment. I mean bad. Worst thing I'd ever stayed in. It's on the third floor of an opera house. Should be about the fifth floor because there was 30-some steps like this to get to each floor. And it was built in like the 1500s. And I'm up on this third floor and they start shooting rockets at your city. Well, you're supposed to run down to a, a bunker. And this siren goes off and just makes your backbone, you know, rigid with uh, uh, adrenaline. I mean, I can, it's a horrific sound. And uh, I ain't going down three flights of stairs to a bunker. It's, well, you're supposed to go into the hall and get away from and be between a load bearing, you know, and get away from any glass. One that might pop the windows and the per, re, re, repercussion or the percussion or whatever. And I, I'm thinking, I ain't never seen a rocket. So I go and open the big two windows. <laughs> <laughs> and I slide out on the on the windowsill with my leg, one leg out, you know, out and I'm sitting there with the phone thinking maybe I'll get some pictures. <laughs> and sure enough, here they come. There was five of them. And, and what's exciting is that as they come in, the air defense shoots like four at the one, you know, and you see, you see this streak of light go up and hits the rocket and kaboom. And when it went kaboom, it went whoof. And I'm like, wow, I'm I, I so excited. I never took one picture. I'm sitting there watching this. Five of them come in, two of them hit. Man, when they hit, the whole building moves. It's, and it's like, if it wasn't so horrific, it would have been fun. But on the other hand, it was fun. I ain't going to let them intrude into my joy of the Lord. If I'm going to go out, glory to God. But I ain't going out. Oh, I know I ain't. I was 16 years old, 17 years old. On my birthday, I was driving home from work and Jesus came in my car and said, can I give you your birthday present? I thought, yes, Lord. And I had a vision of me preaching. And I was an old man with white hair sitting on a stool. Well, I'm older, but I don't have to sit on a stool and my hair ain't white yet. Well, a little bit. <laughs> Amen. So ain't no bomb going to take me out. Amen. I don't know about you, but not me. So let's, let's, let's continue. This is where it gets good. Hopes are fadeless. T today's a good day, guys. I always like what Oral Roberts said. Something good is going to happen to you. I just love that. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. You need to hear yourself say it. Come on, tell your neighbor. Something good is going to happen to you. Amen. Something good is going to happen to you. Say, well, I don't know. My life's just horrific. Start walking in love. Find somebody and bless them. Find somebody and bless them. His hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Now here's, here's the verse I want you to see. Verse 8. 
Love never fails. Love never fails. Say it another way. Sydney never fails. Yeah. (laughs) Put your name in there. Takes more courage. Paul never fails. Kevin never fails. Love never fails. I never fail. Amen. See, we know, now we'll close here, but look over in 1 John 4, really where we started. Most people, when they think about God's love for them, we always look to the cross. And and that's true in the sense that we first knew his love at the cross, the Bible says. And that revelation of love is the beginning of this message of redemption in Jesus, of the power of his blood, of of this new experience, this transformation of what what we call salvation and, and this new creation life and this wonderful journey of growing closer to God and more holy as, as we approach him and as we see things greater in a brighter light and as we go from glory to glory, faith to faith. It all starts at the cross. There's no doubt about it. And the cross showed us the love of God. But many people, their problem is that's all they know of the love of God. And if all I knew of the love of Terry was our wedding ceremony, that'd be pretty pathetic. Yeah, I don't know about some of you guys, but my wife isn't, she, she isn't happy if I don't tell her I love her. You know, she's, she's asked me, well, do you love me? Well, I, I told you when we got married, that ought to be enough. <laughs> that ain't going to fly. Amen. No, she wants to hear it all the time. And, and God's acts of love towards you all the time are as great as the cross. And that's hard for people to swallow. In fact, I, I don't know. I, there's nobody that can explain it, but everybody, I think, agrees. They understand it's true. Not really easy to quantify it or to vocalize it. You know, I don't even know if we have the vocabulary. But somehow, I love my wife more now than I did when we got married. Right? It's a truth. And, and I'm completely firmly convinced that I love God more than I did when, than when I was 16. And the goodness of God, I, you know, I blow your brain right now, but according to Ephesians 1, he does exceedingly abundant towards you, which means what he does today is greater than yesterday. So somehow God loves you more. And what he did for you on the cross was only the beginning, was only the marriage ceremony, so to speak. Because in Romans 8, it says this, If he was so quick to freely give his only begotten son, how much more? Can you say more? more. So that's just what I'm talking about. So, 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 how much more will he freely give you all things? See, that was just not one act of love. He wants to engulf you in love himself. 
and participate in that relationship that you have. How do we do that? Well, just the simple example I gave. He wanted to bless me, didn't he? He wanted to get me over to Moscow with a good financial base, didn't he? He wanted my, my wife and my kids to have some money coming in every month, didn't he? And all I did was walk in love towards what I thought was going to be four people and maybe, you know, a, a Jew's harp. <laughs> Serious. But because I walked in love, I had a demonstration of his love. He, he, he just wants to bless you so much more than you realize. And it's so good when he does. Doesn't it feel good when your wife does something special for you and, and that love is manifested? Isn't it wonderful when, when your husband does something for you, ladies, and that love is manifested? Well, none of it compares to when God blesses us. I remember one time I pulled up to a red light and about midnight I'd come from a Bible study. It was back when Terry and I first got married. I taught a Bible study almost every night. I think I was out four or five nights a week. and It was about midnight, and I'm sitting at this light, and I realized I, I, I'm so tired that the light has changed, and I've sat through it. <laughs> and, and it made me laugh, you know, because, well, it was Titusville, so there was no problem. There's nobody behind me, right? <laughs> Ain't nobody there. Yeah, <laughs> ain't nobody there. And I, and I laughed, and the Spirit of God filled the car. And the Spirit of God filled the car, and I was just worshiping the Lord. Now I don't care if I go. And the Lord said, I love you. And I just said, Lord. And the Lord said to me, you never complain. I thought, about what? <laughs> about what think about it what do you got to complain about oh pastor I'll give you a list no 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 no. you go back to this word you ain't got nothing to complain about all your diseases are healed you're going to complain about that you can do all things through Christ you're going to complain about that he gives you the strength to do everything. He, he'll give you wisdom. It's unlimited according to James 1. You're going to complain about that? You ain't got nothing to complain about. He's so blessed us. Well, now then it makes a little more sense that love never fails. Here in 1 John, verse 17. Herein is our love made mature or perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Say this out loud. No fear here. You're going to hear things in the future. I, I don't in the natural. I don't expect things to get better. Things are falling. Things have gone past a point of no return. I don't know to what extent and don't want to try to be a prophet that I'm not. I just, I'm, I'm not going to be oblivious to reality either. All right. Whether we pick a, a disaster of inflation or the threat of nuclear war or Europe collapsing because they can't, they don't have any energy. Things are terrible in, in Europe right now. 
But one thing I know, there's no fear here. You say, well, Pastor, what if gas goes to $8 a gallon? Well, it already is in San Diego. I don't know about you, but I just checked this morning. Philippians 4.19 is still in my Bible. When I open it up and there's a white spot, then I'll worry. But it's still there. He didn't say, so long as gas stays below five, we'll be okay. No, he said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, what about radiation poison? Well, Jesus has healed from every other disease. In fact, we got that that one phrase in in Deuteronomy 28, besides every other sickness. I mean, how, how, how far you got to go? Amen. He can preserve us. He has preserved us. And if not, it's like them three Hebrew children. Hey, we, we, got, we got a great retirement policy. Amen. So I said, well, that doesn't sound like faith, Brother Dale. You're going to be there one day. You... Part of the problem is we don't walk in the light of eternity. Amen. I'm going to be here as long as it takes to do what God has commissioned me to do. And, and ain't, I don't die easy. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He who fears is not made perfect in love. Well, I need you to cast a spirit of fear out of me. No, I need you to walk in love. There's certain things here you you miss and you walk in defeat because you want to make enemies that don't exist. Well, that's that Jezebel spirit. There's no such thing as a Jezebel spirit. There is a a, uh, limp-wristed Ahab Go read your Bible. Got real quiet in here. Walk in victory. We don't have to make things up. Jesus is alive. There's no fear in love. You're not going to have to worry. We love him, verse 19, because he first loved us. Did you know God loves you? If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? See, one way we love God is by loving one another. When, you, when Jesus said, when you go and feed the poor, you're doing it to me. Jesus said, you know, when, when you go to the prison and visit people, you're visiting me. Jesus said, when, when, when you jump up at the car pump and pay for that old woman's gas. You're doing it for me. Jesus said, one way we love God is by loving one another. Amen. And we participate in God. And He likes it. And He'll jump right in there with you. Love never fails. Love never fails. When you face the pain in a marriage of betrayal or, or 
things get, you know, that, what is that called? A seven-year itch. It's, it's like the phallus curse. It's like the terrible twos. Why? Only the devil could come up with these things. Hello? Amen. Why do we, we create our own enemies? It's the wonderful twos. The Bible says if you love your child, you get to whoop him. Man, I'm telling you, when they were two, I loved my kid every day. I woke up thinking, how can I love him more? <laughs> it ain't the terrible twos. It's <laughs> I, was, I was over at Zach's house the other day and his two little wonderful, my two wonderful grandboys were terrorizing him. And it was so wonderful because it was a flashback. And I was like, Daxie, do it again. Do it again. It's what you sow you're going to reap. I, I am having fun. I love being a grandfather. It is awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe it's wrong, but it sure feels good. Anyhow. <laughs> When, when you do face the, 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 again, I'm not trying to make light of marriages that are quote unquote on the rocks or having difficulties and, and they, they want answers. People, everybody wants answers. I'm telling you right now, ain't no psychology, no counseling going to help you if you aren't going to walk in love. But if you determine somebody in this marriage is going to walk in love, it's going to be me. Ain't no devil going to stop you. It ain't going to happen. Now, you might have to endure long. You might have to partake of that biblical quality called long-suffering. You don't even have to look that one up in Webster's to know what it means, right? But, but yet, if you walk in love, the value, the rejoicing, the reward, because love Never fails. Amen. Did you get anything tonight? This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No. There is no other rock. I know not one. He is the same God. He still is. He still is a God of love. He is love. There is no one else. There is no other refuge, no other rock, nowhere else you can turn to. If you've never known this love, if you've never known this peace, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come up tonight. Maybe you're saying, yeah, I've said yes to Jesus before. 
but you're in a place where you don't know the love. You're, you're not sensing his love. You're not in that place of peace. I'm asking you to come forward tonight. Make that public declaration. That demonstration that, Lord, I put the stake in the ground. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Yes to you. I want this love shed abroad in my heart. I want this peace of which you speak. This is your opportunity. I heard the Lord say earlier in worship, he said, we've, he said, I've uncovered the wells of salvation. I've uncovered the wells of salvation. You know, when he says that he's uncovered it, he's uncovered it. And the wells of salvation, Jesus is his name. And God, the love of God, was made known to man by giving Jesus to you and I. Gave what was most valuable to his enemies. Gave what was most valuable to him, to people that were his enemies. And yet God chose to give and give in love. Here's the beautiful thing to go along with what Apostle Dale taught. If you're in a relationship that's struggling, whether it be a, your marriage or a different relationship, and if you will commit to being the love of God in the situation and to that person, there is absolutely nothing that they nor the enemy can do to stop that love or to even slow it down. Can any of you stop the love of God for you? No. The enemy is completely defenseless against it. When you have the full armor of God on, you know, there's all these things it'll protect you from, but the one thing it won't protect against is the love of God. It just goes right through it. So for you, in, in your relationship, whatever that may be, go ahead and love them. Go ahead and love them in ways. Find a way to love them. They may never know about it, but God knows and the power of God is at work on that person. And it's breaking through the hard rock. It's breaking through and getting into that heart. And, and He is the one who is able to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. So be persistent. Endure long. And love anyway. Can we do that? Who can agree to that? All right, well, one way that we love God in this house is how? Let's hear it again. And when you love one another, who are we loving? All right. Be blessed. We love you. Love on each other. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Tabernacle, the Landisville Camp Tabernacle. Isn't that fabulous? Praise the Lord. Glad that you're all here tonight. Thank you so much for coming here at CWI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Glory to God. I'm getting better at that. So, I was reading the Psalms this week, and I came upon Psalm 27, and I went, oh, this is a perfect one for tonight. Listen to these beautiful words, Psalm 27. 
One thing I desire of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Aren't you glad the word says that? He shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I said, he said all that for this. Therefore, all those great things that the Lord promised, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Amen? Well, we are, we have a tabernacle. We all know that. He lives and dwells within us. But we're also in a tabernacle tonight. So let's all stand up and let's honor our Father tonight. Let's celebrate Jesus and his presence tonight. Let's believe him. Let's draw on the Holy Spirit and believe God for the manifest power of the gospel going forth tonight. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just give him up some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is the joy of living. You know, I was reading that in that, that scripture that the kingdom of God lives within us. And that kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We should be the most joyful people on the planet for that reason alone. Jesus lives and dwells within us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Greater is the one living in us than he that is in the world. That produces a joy knowing, knowing that his word, his rhema word is alive and well within each one of us. Amen. I'd like to say the world is falling apart, but God's plan for you and I is falling together. Amen. And that's something to rejoice in. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I'm alive for such a time as this. Well, good evening again, everyone. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Lots of gladness in the house tonight. Well, we're going to go over our announcements first, and uh, Pastor Sidney is going to bring us a word on tithes and, and offerings. So if you have a bulletin, you can take it out and look at it. We have a ladies' breakfast coming up on October 15th, and I believe the sign-up sheet is in the back. So if you haven't already, please sign up. We set a place for each person. If you have something you'd like to donate for the white elephant table, uh, see Karen, because we're collecting donations for that. So if you were here last week, you maybe you remember that I mentioned something about the 40 days for life. Uh, if, take a close look at your bulletin, because all the details that I was missing last week are here. So 
Um, if you have any questions, you can contact Yvette Freeman, and the number is right here, but there is a website uh, where you can register and sign up to volunteer one hour of your time at the location in Lancaster, the Planned Parenthood location in Lancaster, and just pray for an hour and intercede for the lives of the unborn. So youth, young adult impact barn parties coming up. Um, also, there's City Gate tomorrow uh, at 11.15. And two more things I wanted to mention. So the ROP Home Group, if you're part of the ROP Home Group, we are not meeting on Tuesday night. It's going to be Thursday night, 7 o'clock. So that change didn't make the bulletin, so I just wanted to mention that. Also, there will be no snack tonight following the service. So, oh, yeah, I know. Well, we'll survive some way. <laughs> All right, well, if you are uh, ready to return the tithe to the Lord, just raise your hand if you need a cash envelope for your giving. If you're giving by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. That's so appreciated. And Pastor Sidney is going to be bringing us a word on tithes and offerings. Good timing. Good evening. Are you expecting tonight? So you're in faith. What are you in faith for? Word of the Lord, of the Lord re revelation. Did I hear warmth somewhere? <laughs> you know, if I say that um, we should have faith, that if we make Jesus the Lord of it, our life, his blood cleanses us from all sin, all unrighteousness, and that you are now in the family of God, all of us would agree that yes, that is absolutely something that requires faith. And you know, all of God's promises require faith, that same kind of belief, right? Yet when it comes to money, money is probably the most misunderstood thing in the body of Christ as far as what Jesus had to say on it. Did you know that 40% of his teachings had to do with money? He wasn't necessarily teaching about money, but he was either teaching about money or using money as a teaching tool or possessions. And so we need to pay attention when those things come across our radar in the Bible that we say, okay, what is he teaching us and what does he say about it? And so for you and I, I'm just going to begin in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I'll just read a verse to you. It says, now without faith it is impossible to please God. Well, how many know that a pleased God is a good thing, right? Do you want to please God? Yes. Okay, so then we must have faith. Faith. What is faith? Well, he goes on and he describes here what that looks like. He says, since the one who draws near to him must believe, there's the faith, that he exists, that he's real, that there is a God, that he loves you, that he's for you, that he's your father, See, you'll, you'll come to him completely different if you believe all that about him versus, I don't know, you know, maybe he really doesn't like me very well and he's just putting up with me. You know that old song, I just want a cabin in the corner of heaven? You know, when I was a child, we used to sing that. And um, it, it talks about, you know, just as long as I'm in heaven, I'm going to be happy. I don't require much. Just give me a log cabin off in the corner of heaven somewhere. It's a horrible song. Because you're not believing for God's best and what God wants for you, right? If we're going to go to heaven, then it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot better than a log cabin. Or if it's going to be a log cabin, it'll be the best cabin you've ever seen, right? 
So what does he say? We have to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Rewards those who seek him. So what does a reward from God look like? See, we become all spiritual and suddenly it's, well, warmth of his presence and, and all these things. Well, yeah, it is that, but it's not limited to that. He rewards in all manners in which we seek him. If you're seeking him in, his, in your finances and you're operating on the principles that he taught in, in, about finances, then he's going to reward you on those things, right? So an example of this is in, in 2 Corinthians, right, where it says that God loves a cheerful giver. He was talking about offerings, and he made the sit. We're talking about pleasing God, remember? And without faith, you can't please him. So in our giving, we want to, it, when we return the tithe or when we give an offering, we want God to be pleased with us. You know, we can obey, but it not be a pleasing thing. Have you ever, if you, those of you who have children know what it's like to have them obey, but it wasn't willingly, right? And it doesn't please you. Yeah, you're glad they obeyed, and if you made any promises in regard to if you do this, then you'll hold those promises, but it wasn't a pleasing thing to you. And so when you give a, uh, an offering to the Lord or when you return your tithe to the Lord, He's going to fulfill His promises in regards to that. But there's something better than Him just having the promise fulfilled, and that's Him being pleased about it. I mean, excited about it, right? And in that scripture, in 2 Corinthians in, in chapter 9, He talks about... Um, God loves a cheerful giver, and he goes on and says that when you sow your seed, that God will multiply it back to you. And not only that, that he's going to enrich you in every way for all things and for all generosity. See, there's a purpose for it, the generosity part. Because we're not called to be Christian lakes, where we just hoard things, right? But we are to be a river, right? Rivers of life. And so I want to encourage you tonight that what you do, do it in faith, expecting that the Lord will do what he says. You know, an example of this is in, I don't, I don't get to preach to you tonight in the sermon because we are so blessed to have Apostle Dale with us, and he's going to deliver the word. So you've got to let me get a little steam off here in the tithe and offering part, all right? In, in Luke chapter 4, uh, chapter 5, I'm sorry, is the story of where Peter, James, and John, and Andrew are called by Jesus to be his disciple, and they follow him. So I'm just going to begin reading in verse 1. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied. Now, an interesting thing, this word master is the first time that this is used in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of Luke is the only gospel that they use this word master like this. And so Peter is recognizing his lordship right out of the gate, right? I suppose that's why he let him borrow his boat. You know, this is, a, this is one of his, the tools of his trade. 
And so he, the boat is being used to minister the gospel. And so here he says, Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but if you say so, I'll let down the net. Interesting, Jesus said, let down your nets, plural. Here, Simon goes, okay, we'll let down the net. He's not in a whole lot of faith, is he? Like, all right. Obedience is important to Simon, especially because he honors Jesus, the teacher and master, right? And so master says, let down your nets, and he's like, okay, um, you know, (laughs) there's nothing out there, but because you said so, we'll let down the net. Now that's obedience, and it's going to be rewarded, as you'll see in just a moment as we continue reading on. But it could have been multiplied even greater had there been more than one net involved. As you'll see in a moment, it was boat sinking increase that happened from one net. What would have happened with two? I don't know. Boats would have sank? Probably not. But there would have been twice as much. Right? So let's keep reading here. He says, when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their net began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. So a couple observations here. Did Peter sow into Jesus' ministry? Yes. He sowed into every man, woman, and child that were standing on shore listening to the Word of God that day. He doesn't even know their names, yet he affected them. He had a part in, in them receiving the gospel because they could hear it now. Because they were able to use his airplane, I mean his boat, <laughs> to minister the gospel. If some of you are sharp enough, you're catching on. But he used his tool and sowed into the work of the kingdom. And does the Lord reward those who give to him? Well, obviously he did. He blessed him with two boats full of fish. That's their, their livelihood. That's their living. And people say, yeah, but he, he then left it all. Yeah, so you think he left them just laying on the bank to rot? No. No. That's... That, I mean, you think Jesus would have been okay with that. I'm going to bless you with this abundance, not just let it rot. I'm pretty sure there would have been another teaching if that's what would have been going on. But if, if you read the account over in Mark and in Matthew, you see that when they left, it says their partners were, were James and John. Well, in, in the account in, in Mark, it says that... Um, go, uh, it says... Going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, putting their net in the order. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So dad and the hired guys are still back there taking care of the large catch. So don't think that, well, yeah, God blessed them, but then so they just forsook it all. Yeah, they did go away, but guess what? They're not fishing anymore. The Lord just provided for them to be his disciple. 
so that they could go with him. And they're not out earning a, a, a living anymore fishing because they're walking with Jesus. Jesus paid the bill. So tonight, when we put in our tithe or our offering, let's take the Lord at his word. You know, he said he'll rebuke the devourer, that he will pour out a blessing bigger than you have room to receive. So that's pretty big. So let's do it in faith so that we don't only get the obedient blessing, but that we have him pleased with what we're doing. That we put the biggest smile on God's face. All right, stand with me if you would. Take a hold of your, uh, your offering or your tithe. Father, we thank you that you are good in every way and that you watch over your word to perform it and to accomplish it. And Lord, we believe you and we take you at your word and we return the tithe to you tonight. We give you an offering, an offering of our love. And Father, we ask you, Lord, to increase us, cause us to grow so that we might do more. Because there's a lot of needs around us, Father. You know that better than we do. And we just ask you to give us your vision in our finances, your heart in our finances, as we commit to obeying you in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. What we're going to do is have you guys come up uh, the center aisle. And you can use this basket right here. And uh, we'll just put it on the floor. And um, Put your offering or your tithe in there, and we're going to worship as we, as we do that. And remember, offerings to the Lord is a form of worship.